Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. Hello, everyone. This is Joan, and I am driving in my van again. So welcome to another episode of The Only Human in the Van. So today I'm driving to work, and... uh, I thought I'd record an episode, <coughs> excuse me, because um, I have some stuff on my mind and it helps for me to process it by talking about it out loud. And sometimes it's helpful to hear other people processing things out loud. I know I like um, listening to this. It helps me feel less alone to know there's others who go through the same things I go through. Um, so today I'm going to talk about what I do when things feel really hard um, and when I'm feeling sort of grief and sadness for my patients with my patients um, yeah because I've had a few patient scenarios coming up recently that are kind of ongoing and um, they're they're hard ones they're they're ones um, you know I've now been a family physician for almost 10 years with this practice and uh, I uh, I have gotten to know my patients quite well and um, the patients that I'm thinking of that are going through some really really hard times right now both both of them actually were a little difficult to like at first you could say um, they have various diagnoses and backgrounds that, um, you know, can make them a bit surprising when you first walk in the room, a bit more emotionally charged when you walk in the room with them. But I've had the privilege of, you know, walking with them on their journey over these past several years. And I'm really quite fond of both of them now. And we've built like a good really um, trusting relationship and uh, I'm obviously not going to give details because that would reveal patient confidentiality but generally speaking uh, both of them are going through like a time of serious illness now and um, actually in both their cases they are quite socially isolated um, in part for the same reasons that I found them surprising and challenging at first, you know, the context of their family background, the context of some of their other diagnoses that make their ability to connect with people more challenging, some mental health diagnoses. Um, And uh, yeah, and so now I'm watching these really wonderful human beings who I am quite fond of And I'm watching them as they're spiraling down, you know, and I'm watching various elements of the healthcare system really fail to catch them. And 
then I, there's me who is part of the healthcare system and you know I'm not designed personally to catch them I don't have a place for them to stay I don't have access to say like financial supports or transportation supports like there's a lot of practical things that each of them need um, in different measures that it, it makes you really appreciate and dream of a day where things like social prescribing and patient navigators and like really deeply interconnected and successfully run social support systems will be embedded within our healthcare system. And we do have pieces of it, but they're fragmented and it's the end of the summer and I'm doing a lot of calling around, like just feeling like I'm throwing like fishing lines in the sea and um, not getting all the bites. I'm getting some bites, but not all the bites. And in the meantime, I, it's like, it's just sad. I feel like, um, in, especially in one case, I'm, I'm worried about a poor prognosis and I'm, I don't know if you, any of you listening go through this, like when there's a, a patient, you know, or even if you don't know, like say you work in a merge or whatever, and then patient comes in and then it's this new diagnosis and you know, it has a very poor prognosis. Um, and because of your knowledge, you can see the trajectory of their illness more clearly than potentially they can see it or their family can see it. And so it's like you have this secret access to how things are going to go. And especially if you have, you have a little connection with them or you know them, you go through this like pre-grief process. And that's feel like I'm, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm having more trouble staying in the moment and in the present, just generally and especially when I'm speaking with one of these patients um, because I, I am just anticipating all that is potentially to come for them and how much pain and suffering there will be. And it's like I'm, I'm pre-living it ahead of time. And I know why my brain and body do this. It's a, it's a protective mechanism. It's this idea that like, well, if I have it all mapped up out and I know what could come, then I'll be more prepared for it. Or I don't know, maybe it's not even as conscious as that. It's just that we have really rich imaginations. Our brains are very creative. And so when we think into the future of what could possibly happen, it's not just like an intellectual exercise. Like your brain produces like full color, 3D surround sound movie of what's to come, including like the sensory elements. So like I'm already there at the patient's bedside watching them die. And I feel that, right? And so I'm feeling like this heaviness and this sadness that for things that haven't actually happened yet, because I, I am quite suspicious that they will. And um, I think the first step is really just understanding that having all of those feelings isn't necessarily a problem. It means I'm human. It means I'm a human being having the human experience of, of being in connection and community with other humans. And when we witness each other's suffering, it does ignite something in us. It's different than, you know, I've talked about before, like 
other people don't cause your feelings, you don't cause other people's feelings. And I still think that's true. And there are feelings that when, when I witness someone else going through suffering, I don't really want to change that emotion too much. And it's certainly understandable why I haven't from the start, because we relate to each other as human beings, right? It's the mirror neurons. It's, it's the empathy. Um, if we, if we lean on that too much, then we get drained and burned out. And I'm aware of that. So that's why I'm taking the time to process it. But the fact that it's there to begin with, the fact that I can see my patient's humanity and relate to it and so imagine just a little slice of what may, may be going on with them right now, what has been going on with them and what will go on with them. That just makes me a human being in a human body. And, um, so I'm feeling all this like heaviness in my chest and like constriction in my throat as I think about these two people and what they have going on is actually quite different, but there's these common elements of them being so alone and really limited connections and support around them. And that's leading to just additional layers of suffering on top of the suffering that anyone would go through if they went through the period of illness that both of them are going through. So that feels like the saddest part to me. And so I find to begin with not making it mean anything bad about me that I, I do feel sad and really just feeling the sadness, really just allowing the happiness to be there. Um, one of my teachers talks about like, feeling like you're just carrying a bit of a heavy purse with you for a while, you know, and I, I feel that it's like this heavy, uh, this little weight on my chest. When I try and resist it and say, stop feeling it, it's fine, you know, like it's not even happening right now or like trying to push it away, that's when it gets way heavier because then your body's like, because your body's trying to send you a signal about something, right? And if you're ignoring that signal, the body's going to turn up the volume and it's really heavy Then you're really stressed and you're really distracted. So I found when I just say, yes, I feel sad. I feel sad for these patients. I feel sad as I witness what they're going through. It actually lightens it. It's, it's a paradoxical thing. We think we have to resist, but allowing the feeling and just saying out loud, this feels heavy. This feels tight. This feels painful. This feels like this like weighted painful blanket over top of me to think of everything that they're going through right now and everything they may go through in the future. Um, and saying it's okay to feel sad. Like sometimes if I just really need to sit in an emotion on top of describing it, I listen to music that helps me to sort of sit in the sadness with some companionship. Um, I can post some links of like my favorite songs. <clears throat> um, honestly, a couple of them are from a children's TV show, Daniel Tiger, which is amazing. And um, there's one song, it's, it's Daniel Tiger is basically like an um, updated version of Mr. Rogers. And uh, I've watched it with my kids lots and they have um, some of the music that you can just like listen to on. Apple Music or Spotify or whatever and one of the songs is literally called like it's okay to feel sad sometimes and the, the lyrics are like it's okay to feel sad sometimes little by little you'll feel better again and it's just a sweet little song about it's okay to feel sad 
and there's another one that's just about how there's so many feelings to feel and it's okay to feel all of them and it's just like allowing that full human experience of all of your emotions having a place and um I've definitely listened to those two songs a whole bunch certainly over since I've discovered Daniel Tiger during the pandemic with my sons and um since then just lots of times while I'm driving to work by myself I put them on just me and Daniel Tiger um because they're so pure and they allow me to just purely access the emotions so uh spend some time doing that and just reminding myself that it's okay not it's okay in a way that people tries to paper over the emotion but that it's okay to have the emotion it's okay that it's there it's okay that I'm a human having a human experience and I don't have to rush to fix anything because especially with this stuff like how could I begin how could I begin to fix all the broken pieces and just like the huge gaps of our healthcare system right now I believe over time if I embody the healthcare system that I want to see I can create change to move towards restoration. But it's not going to happen literally by myself. It's not going to happen by me literally trying to be everything for every patient. Um it's going to start by, you know, me offering what care I wish I could offer them to myself and in, in doing so resourcing myself to better support them. <laughs> And I'd say that's the second that's the second part, right? So I feel sad why? I feel sad because they're so alone. Part of what I'm missing when I'm thinking that story is that they're not alone. Both of them have shared with me at least a few people in their lives. Plus, they do have me. And it discounts my connection with them. And also my team that is also there for all of my patients who have also been supporting both of them if i think they're actually just all alone like this is what our brain does right when our brain is feeling like something's missing it's only looking for the missing pieces so i'm only looking for the missing family they don't have missing friends they don't have missing finances they don't have access to and that's not a bad thing that helps me to understand what if anything i can help you know refer them to resources that could support them um and if i want to help balance out the whole picture of who they are and not just see them as deficient you know only see the deficient missing pieces of their story then i can step back and say how are they not alone they do have me and that counts they do have their neighbors or whoever like people that you hear about that um are part of it they do have access to more and can i help them access it more i can do that a, a lot easier and from a fuller cup if i've felt my feelings and then i've looked at how i am an important part of their team but i'm also not alone and that's the other bit like when i'm really focused on how sad i am about them i also forget that i am not deficient so when i'm feeling sort of anxious or worried that i'm the only one that's going to help them like i said i i forget that i have a whole team that literally works with me in my office that i can be leaning on and asking for help and asking for support and everyone will offer what they can out of 
whatever capacity they have. And that, that cobbled together, that's going to be a lot, right? And um, also that I don't have to be alone in feeling the feeling. So I can share how I'm feeling with my partner. I can share how I'm feeling with my colleagues, with friends, you know? Um, one of the reasons I'm so looking forward to the workshop series uh, coming up this fall is like every week, you know, um, there'll be access to support calls where we we can each be sharing with each other about what's been heavy and hard that week and what has been successful with our patients. But um, I think that is so essential. I think that is so essential to not feel like you have to shoulder that burden, like the heavy weighted blanket I have on me, I'm not carrying it alone because I am connected with other people. And so, yeah, the downsides of staying in that sadness and just believing it and like repeating it to myself over and over again is that I do miss it. I miss out the pieces of how supported I am and how supported they are. And when I forget how supported I am, I feel less capable of supporting my patients. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, just saying all of that out loud, I, I feel a little bit more resourced. I feel resourced because I, I am grateful for my body for always taking care of me with all the emotions that it offers me. Um, and I can gently say to sadness, yeah, like it is, it is painful to watch someone suffer and for someone to be so alone. And it's not the only story of a situation. Like, my sadness is right. They are missing pieces in their lives that would be helpful for them. To have more family and friends to support them would be would be hugely helpful. But they're not completely destitute and they're not completely alone. And so I can seek evidence of how they are connected. And I can seek evidence of how I am connected. And therefore, when they access my care, they're not only accessing me in a way that feels really like high pressure and scary and trembly for me, but they're accessing a whole community behind me who are supporting me and who are there to support them too. Because um, uh, one of my favorite authors, Glennon Doyle, talks about how we can do hard things. And I think it's really important to keep it we. Like, yes, it's true that me on my own, I can do hard things. But when I think of being a part of the collective we, whew, it feels even more possible to do hard things. Do hard things like probably walking someone who's very isolated socially through the end of their life, potentially. Walking someone else through an extremely precarious time of their life and with uncertainty to their outcome, honestly. Both of those, I could do in isolation. I could figure out a way, I guess. But I think um, I am so much richer in not in reminding myself of the knowledge that I have so so many connections in my local community and around the world. If I want to access them, places where I have access to support myself. And one of those places I have access to connection and support is, is here. I know this is a this feels like a one-way conversation, but knowing that there are people listening who may benefit from this and may consider rethinking 
how are they, how are you not alone? I'll ask it directly to you. So you who are listening now, are you feeling isolated at all? Are you feeling um, a little helpless, a little hopeless about gaps in the healthcare system and feeling pressure to try and fill them all by yourself? And if you are, that's where I am too. So I, I understand it's not weird or wrong that you feel this way. It's a normal human reaction. And it is possible to rekindle that sense of connection by feeling the initial feelings and just really feeling the isolation and feeling the, the sadness and knowing that there's no emotion that's too hard to feel. You can feel them all. There's sensations in your body, you know? And then you can move beyond that initial story and look for other stories that are also true in the situation. So for example, you're not alone because you're listening to me and I am a source of connection and support for you. And knowing that you are out there taking the time and investing the time and energy to listen and hopefully feel a little lighter yourselves, I can feel that connection back. And some of you are reaching out to me and um, emailing me and um, DMing me on Instagram. And I am so grateful for each time you do because it does help me understand that I am not alone in this and that we are in this together and together we can do hard things. So that's going to be my mantra and intention is to remind myself that I am part of we and we can do hard things. So I hope that helps you today as well. Take care. I would love to hear from you. Please share your human moments in medicine with me on Instagram at joanchanmd or on my website, joanchanmd.com. On my website, you can also find other restorative medical education offerings I have, including one-on-one coaching opportunities and skill-building workshops. I look forward to connecting with you there.